Uh, last week, we talked about tithing, and I had a lot of people um, come, talk to me this week at various times about that message. And you know what? They were all good. No one was like, hey, I didn't like that message, man, you know. No one said that. So if you did feel that way, thanks for not telling me. The rest of you, <laughs> thanks for sharing the good, the good things. Um, because if we're on a series, if we're, we're doing this theme of spiritual growth, and in order to grow, we got to talk about things that the Bible talks about, even if it makes us uncomfortable, right? We have to talk about it. So when we were talking about tithing last week, whenever we talk about money, people get uncomfortable. Why? Because we're talking about money. And people think it, man, maybe you've been in churches before where when they talk about stuff, it's pressure. And it's like, um, you know, I know some, and if, you are part, if you've been a part of a church like this, that's fine. I'm not dogging those churches. But I'm saying I know some churches where they come to your house and they ask you what you make and they tell you this is what you're supposed to give and they're going to be checking. You know, and, and I was like, man, like that's, that's they, they ain't playing. I mean, if you want, listen, if you want to be a part of this, you have to do this. But can I tell you what we've understanding is tithing shows our heart. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there's your, okay, all four of y'all got it. Now the rest of us, the rest of us get this. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. In other words, it doesn't say where your heart is is where your treasure is. That's how a lot of people have said that before, but it's wrong. It says, the Bible says where your treasure is, and that includes money, time, whatever you treasure, wherever you put that, that's showing where your heart is. So sometimes in tithing and giving to the Lord, it's saying, Lord, my heart is with you. And my heart is with you, and I want, I want you to be number one in my life. And when you put your treasure there, guess what? Your heart follows that. So one of the things that I didn't plan on doing this last week until I started speaking, and something stood out to me. And here's what it is, and I feel the Lord's put this on my heart all week, so I know it's what I'm supposed to talk about. And, and here's what, here's what he, he spoke to me. When it says in Malachi, we read that scripture, bring your tithe and offering to the storehouse, right? And all of a sudden when I was speaking yesterday, and I didn't, yesterday, what's today? Sunday? Okay, last Sunday. It's been a long weekend. We had a conference all weekend that I had, uh, was overseeing and then spoke a session there. It was just a lot of stuff this weekend. So if I fall asleep, just shake me and I'll keep speaking. But the, like it said, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, listen, it, I, it didn't say send it. He didn't say just give it. He said bring it. You know what that, you know what that means? That we come with it. That what we're giving to the storehouse, which represents the church, that we're not just sending money to the church like, okay, be blessed. We're saying, listen, my treasure's there and my heart is there. So with my treasure comes me. And I'm going to bring my treasure to the church because I'm coming to the church. You follow me? Now, I'm talking to people today that are in church. So I'm not just like... Uh, shouldn't you be telling people out there? No, because here's what it's not. This is not, I want to make sure this is clear because I don't want to have to keep saying it because I don't have time to reiterate this over and over. So hear me say this and think about this throughout the message. I am not getting legalistic to where you have to be in this building 
every time the doors are open, or you are on your way to hell. That's not true. I want to tell you of the value of being with believers. And I understand there's times where you can't make it. I understand where you need to get away on vacation and you're with your family and you need to do that. I understand there's times when you're not feeling well. I understand there's times when there's something going on. But here's the way the enemy has worked for so long. We have gotten much more okay not understanding the value and importance of gathering as believers. That we tend to do life more alone than what we're supposed to. And we tend to go through things without the help of other believers than the way God intended it. Because in the early church, they met every day. But it wasn't like, y'all better be here. You get three absences and you're gone out of the church. It wasn't like that. It wasn't a forced thing, and we're not forced. I'm not forced in anything. I'm not, listen, we don't take role. We're not taking attendance. We ain't got anybody in the back saying, who's not here? Mm, that's two weeks in a row. We're going to call. We got to call them. No. Listen, I, there are times, honestly, there are times when I wake up, and I'm like, man, I do not want to go today. And Patty's like, you're preaching. Yeah, I probably should. I probably should go. But you know what I understand is the importance of being here. Because every time I'm here, and I'm not talking about what happens in the service, but I get encouraged. And I, I get to encourage others. And I think, why would we not gather as believers? And why would that not be one of the most exciting things we do all week? We get so excited over other stuff, and we should. But this is just one of those, if I have time, I'll do it. But what it should be is, hey, don't forget, Sunday we get to hang out with our church family. Not church family like Thrive. We get to hang out with believers and be encouraged and grow. And, and coming out of there knowing we're not walking this life alone. And we're not, we're not, we don't have all this on, we have to somehow figure everything out. We have a family that can help us. See where I'm going with it? So don't take this like, oh, now he's got to go to church, and he's starting to really get on my nerves. He's got to go to church. you got to tithe. What's next? Oh, you'll see you next week. Just come on, you know. But there's the importance of the church. Now let's read a little bit about the church just so we know. Matthew chapter 16, this is how the Lord uh, used this verse when even when we started the church. So Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked them, because first he said, what is everybody out there saying? And now he's saying, all right, you guys are my disciples, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers, you know Peter's going to answer. Peter was the guy that talked all the time. And he was the one that Jesus sometimes had to say, shh, stop it. Right? But Peter said, you are the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because, listen to what he says, my father in heaven revealed that to you. In other words, you didn't learn this from any human being. Here's what he's saying. Your, your answer is right. And it's not because you were taught that from someone. You got that from the father. 
That came directly from the Father. And then he says, now I say to you who are Peter, which means rock, upon this rock, and that rock he's talking about is the revelation of who Jesus is. He says this, I will build my what? Church. These five words is how we start to thrive. Because the Lord spoke to me before this church started, and he said, I want you, and I was reading this passage just in my devotion time. And he said, I want you to make sure that you, you see this. And when I say the Lord spoke to me, it wasn't like, hey, Scott. And I was like, yeah, what's up? You know, it wasn't like that. It was in my spirit. I knew God was speaking to me. And he said, listen, look at what you're reading. I, who's that referring to? Jesus. Jesus said, I will, in other words, there's no doubt about it, Scott, I will. So I can be like, okay, well, what will you do? I will build, what's the next word? My. Who is my referring to? Jesus. So Jesus says, I will build my church. So when, when I read that, I'm telling you, everything in me just paused. And I thought, you know what? I'm not building his church. He's not building my church. There is no Scott in there. Like he, he did. There is nothing in there that I'm supposed to do except let him do what he says he's going to do. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because when we talk about the church, we're not talking about something I'm establishing. We're not, some, we're not talking about something I'm building. Listen, you being involved and connected with a body of believers is not for my benefit. Because I'm going to tell you whether there's empty chairs in here or it's packed out. I'm preaching the gospel. That's it. I'm speaking the word. I don't care who's here, if it's 10, if it's 100, if it's 200. My job is to speak the word. And I'm going to do it faithful. I've never been about attendance. That doesn't show signs of health. If it was just, if a big group made a healthy church, then we could have a healthy church down at the bowling alley on Sundays. And we're like, "Woo! look at this. God is moving. No, it ain't. These people could care less about God. There's just a lot of people. But what's happening is in these places, we're seeing God do some amazing things. And there's growth happening because what's happening in us is affecting the world around us. It's affecting our families. It's affecting our communities. It's affecting our work. It's affecting our schools. If God changes us and we go out there different, we make a difference in people's lives. So what I'm saying is God is building this church. And here's the thing about his church. All the powers of hell will not what? Conquer it. If we're talking about the church that Jesus builds, nothing can destroy it. Nothing. The gates of hell will not prevail against a church that's established on who Jesus is. And that Jesus builds it, it's, it lasts. It lasts. So when we talk about church, listen, the Greek word there for for church, and it goes on. Let me read the finish reading it. Yeah, go to verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Here's the thing he says I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you, that's us, the keys to the kingdom. You know what keys represent? Access, authority. Listen, how many of y'all have keys to the church? Just Christ. And with that comes responsibility. 
But you know what? How, how many of you, like, let's, let's say your house key. How many of you just passed out your house keys? You tell the UPS guy, hey, I'm not home all the time. Just help yourself. Grab something to drink. Leave the package in there. Just lock it when you leave. No, we don't do that. The only people we give keys to are people we're in relationship with, that we trust, that we know, hey, when I give you this, it means you have access to this. When Jesus says, I'll build my church, he's saying, I'm going to take care of it, but you're going to have benefits because I'm building the church, and I'm going to give you access to everything that I have. I'm going to give you access to the kingdom of God, that you'll walk in authority, and you'll walk in strength, and you'll walk in hope, and you'll walk in life, you'll walk in health, you'll walk in wisdom, you'll walk in knowledge, you'll walk by the Spirit, you'll walk in the Spirit. You will see the things of God all because he builds it. If I build this church and this church is about me, you lose it all because I don't have have all of that. Jesus has it, and he says, listen, I'll build the church. Nothing can conquer it, and you'll have authority to access everything you need to access. That's how Jesus established building the church. And then the the word church is ecclesia. That's what it means in the Greek. Everybody say ecclesia. If you went really good, like, ecclesia, whatever. People, when I was in the Greek class in college, I mean, everybody loved to overemphasize everything because it made them feel smart. But I'm no Greekologist, but I do know this, that ecclesia, what that means, because you hear people say, well, I am the church. And you are. You are where the Spirit of God dwells in you. But this ecclesia refers to a gathering of believers. It's not a building. This building is not the church. This building is where the church comes. This building is where the church gathers. But you, the church can gather in homes like you did in the, in, in the, in the early times. The church can, can gather in different places. Listen, the church can gather at a restaurant. Amen. The church can gather early morning at Starbucks or, or early morning at Rocky River Coffee or wherever you want to go. The, you, when you get together with believers, that's the church. That's where the church that's where the church is it's where believers are. And we need we need each other. God created God created us to do life with each other, not separate. So I'm going to tell you five little five things I mean there's a lot. I'm just going to go through a few things that have to do with the importance of church. One is community. The church is about community. It's about us as a family. It's about us as a body. Not just here, the church worldwide is one church, and we're all part of the body of Christ. And the Bible says in Psalms 133, verse 1, it says how wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. In other words, if we come together unified, There is something that God says is very wonderful and just pleasant. It's good. You ever been in a situation where you were, maybe you were on a team at work or something, and you had a decision you had to make, but nobody could agree? You know how frustrating that is? You have a a meeting or you're in a staff meeting. You're like, well, I think we should do this. I don't. I think we should do this. Okay, great. What do you think? Oh, I think, I think you're both wrong. I think we'll go over here. And then it's just like, man, it would be a lot easier if we could all just agree. But everybody's got their opinions. But when we come together as the body of Christ, Christ is the head of the body. 
He's the one who leads us. Remember, he's building his church. We come unified that he is building the church. We come unified that he's in charge. In other words, wherever the Lord lead us, leads us, everybody is saying we're in. That's what we want. And we're unified in it. And when we're unified, it's, it's amazing what happens. It's a wonderful, it's blessed, it's, it's, it's good when we dwell together in unity. And we need to be unified. In the body of Christ, in our church here, we need to be unified. Unified that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. And he gave his life for us. And that God has good plans for us. And he loves us unconditionally. And he's going to use us. And he's going to move through us. He's given, up his Holy, he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us and to teach us. And to empower us with everything we need. And we come unified in that, and that's a good thing. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ <clears throat> and has made him head over all things for the benefit of who? It benefits the church, that Christ is the head. And the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by who? Christ. So again, we're talking about the church is complete by Christ. So it's not, it's not an event. It's us as believers coming together. And being made complete by Christ, who fills all things very well <clears throat> or everywhere with himself. In other words, he fills everything with him. It's all about him. And as we grow in that understanding that we're part of a body, we need each other. We need each other. We have to have each other. <clears throat> Look at this other scripture in Ephesians 4. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way. More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does his own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. That's how God created <clears throat> the church, to be the body of Christ. And it says that we all have a part to play, and it helps other parts. So we all need each other. And there's times where, yes, we can, we can talk, we can call, we can email, we can text, we can do whatever. But there are times when it just is so beneficial to have somebody with you that helps you, that encourages you. Because for the body, we have to work together. We have to work together. You know, and, that, and when I've used this a lot, but it's the best illustration of the body. If you, if you hurt yourself, you kick something or you slam your finger in the door or you do something, what's the first thing that happens? Yeah. Well, first, you, you're, the hurt sends a signal to your brain. Something ain't right, y'all. I felt something. And your brain sends something to your mouth saying, shut it all down, yell. And you're like, ah! I mean, it... It happens really fast, but that's the signals that are going. Your finger's in the door. Your finger says, hey, hey, hey. And your, mouth, and your head says, scream, get this out, we're hurt. And what happens? Then your body naturally, without being taught, you don't have to say, what could I do right now? I tell you what, hand, would you reach over and just hold him? He's hurting. No, it naturally happens. Naturally, you're like, ah, and you grab it, Right? Right? Ain't that what you do? Yeah. yeah. If you don't believe me, come here. Bring me your finger. <laughs> Snip. Ah, see, I told you. But you grab it. 
That's how the body works. If, when someone's hurt in the body, the way the body works is it grabs it. And then what happens is while this finger is being healed, things that this finger normally does in holding a pen or holding a pencil or doing whatever, these fingers say, we got it, you rest. Right? We got this. Now, you don't have, you don't like learn that in school. Okay, you don't grab the pen with this finger and just scream and yell and somebody's like, hey, you could give it a rest. Oh, I could, yeah, good idea. You naturally know. You grab it, and you're thinking, okay, if it's your foot, your other leg takes more weight, and you just limp. You barely put it to the ground, and all your weight stays on the other leg. That's natural. The body of Christ is meant that we function together to help each other, that when someone's hurting or someone needs something, that we come alongside and we help, and we build community. That's what this whole year is spiritual growth and community. We need each other. There is strength in numbers. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. There is something about being with believers. The Bible talks about where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Listen, we need each other, and we don't need to do life alone. We, we don't. Those days, those days need to end. So the first thing is community. Here's the second thing, healthy relationships. And if you haven't figured this out, I'll just go ahead and tell you. First one starts with C, second one H, then we're going to go U-R-C-H, that spells church. Okay, got it. Just want you to know. Healthy relationships. John 13, verse 34 and 35. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, as believers, our love for one another will prove to the world that we're his disciples. So in the church, we need to have healthy relationships. Can I tell you what is sad? is a lot of people that leave the church is because of a hurt relationship in the church. And it shouldn't be like that. We need to be able to have healthy relationships. We need to be able to just love people no matter what and not expect people that they have to change and they have to do something different. Sometimes if we have a problem with someone, we need to be able to look inward and say, why do I have a problem with them? Because the problem might be you, right? It's like going around saying, man, everywhere I go, man, it smells. Well, maybe you got something there on your lip. <laughs> maybe it ain't the world. Maybe it's you. You know, it's like the, the, the person was like, went to the doctor and said, man, every place I touch hurts. And the doctor said, your finger's broke. Oh, see, that's what it is. You think it's all these things that are just everything's in pain. No, your finger's broke. No matter what you touch, it's going to hurt. And if we have places in our life that's hurt, it don't matter where we go, we're going to see that. We're going to feel it. But healthy relationship starts with saying, you know what, God, I want to love people the way you loved me, right where they are. I did a workshop at this conference with all these pastors, and they asked me to uh, teach about dealing with elephants in the room. In other words, when there's stuff that you need to address, um, what does that look like? And how do you do that? And I, and, I talk, and I talked about it. But here's one of the things that I talked about. It's not just me dealing with things, elephants in the room and things that, you know, we kind of need to talk about to help people grow and mature. But it's also I have to be open to say, can people speak into my life about elephants in my life? Things that people see in me that I might not see. 
And you know what? And that took place. That took place several years ago. I had this staff, Chris and Curtis, in a meeting, and I said, listen, because I had done evaluations at the end of the year, just <clears throat> and I told them, I said, I need y'all to evaluate me. And they were both like, oh, no thanks. And um, because when I, when I would deal with elephants in the room, I know I'm getting a little distracted here, but I'm going to tell you this anyway because it's powerful. Um, when I dealt with elephants in the room, here's how I dealt with it. One is I didn't deal with it, and I just let them roam, and I had a safari in my life of elephants. <laughs> but then when it got bad enough, I slaughtered it in front of its family. Like, it was brutal. I didn't just deal with it. I, I ripped it up. So when I, if I let something go for so long, but once I got to where it bothered me, I went extreme in how I handled it. And I realized that part of having healthy relationships is you got to be open to let people speak into your life about stuff. And when I said it to these guys, they didn't want to answer me. And then I said this to them. I said, listen, if you guys don't do an honest evaluation of me, I'm going to fire you. And I was serious. And I said, here's why. Because I can't grow. And I can't change. If the Lord wants to use you to speak some things into my life, I need you to do it. And so it began. I grabbed a whiteboard and I grabbed a marker and they began. And I started writing. And it kind of went something like this. Okay. Oh, really? Seriously? Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, page two. What? Uh, okay. And all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, y'all are hurting my feelings. I mean, I didn't say it, but on the inside, I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, all this stuff is coming up? And I'm telling you, it, it was hard. It hurt. I had to process it. But can I tell you? Those guys played a part in changing my life because I'm a different person. I am a different pastor. I'm a different leader, and I'm a different friend because I opened myself up for people to speak into my life. And too many times we have more joy in speaking into others' life, but I'm going to tell you where real joy comes when you can let people speak into yours. When you become less critical of everyone else and say, listen, what do you see in me? Even with the Lord, God, search me. Know my heart. Lord, if there is any wicked way in me, show me. Heal me. Help me. And that's what the church should be. It should be about healthy relationships that we just are so real and so transparent that we're just open to say, I want to love like you loved. And I want to grow. And there's, part of, there's parts of growing that are uncomfortable. And I used to fight against it. I used to. There's still times where it hurts. But when it's all said and done, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am today if, I didn't, if, I, if the Lord didn't help me finally lose a lot of my pride and say, you know what? I need to grow. I need help. What do you see? And you can talk to these guys, and it doesn't bother me if you do talk to them. You can talk to Chris. You can talk to Curtis. You can ask them about that experience. But you can ask them too. 
did that change? How did that change? And they're going to tell you, we have such a great, healthy relationship as a staff. It is so healthy because we're real. And they still do it. Sometimes it still bothers me, but they still do it. I told them one time about it. Wait a minute. I don't say, I say do it forever. <laughs> but even last week, I was saying something. And I made this comment, totally joking around, uh, you know. And Chris said, hey, can I stop you right there? And I'm like, sure. And I'm thinking, it's like, man, you're, you're awesome, dude. You're hilarious, you know. That's not what it was. It was like, you know what, I know you don't mean it this way. When you say that, sometimes I come across like, and they begin to tell me that sometimes it can make them feel. And I look at Curtis, he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh. And you know what happened? I was like, man, I'm sorry. I, in no way would I want you to feel that way. That's all it was. It wasn't like, come on, guys. Hello. Just get over it, right? Go to Home Depot, get some lumber, build a bridge, get over it. <laughs> right? But that's not what it was anymore. Now it's like, oh, I get it. I'll you know, I, I'm sorry. I want to be sensitive to that. And we move right through it. And I can, I can go into his office and say, hey, can I share something with you? Hey, Curtis, can I share something with you that, you know, maybe? And we just receive it. Why? Because we have established healthy relationships where we are open for people to speak in our life just as open as we are to speak in someone else's. And it makes it healthy. And that's why you need believers around you. Because you have a lot to offer people. But these people, believers, have a lot to offer you. And we grow together. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and do what? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, there is something valuable about being honest and transparent with somebody. Doesn't mean it has to be everybody, but having that person you trust to say, you know what, this is where I'm struggling. And I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you, not just for accountability, but just to be able to process through, this is where I've struggled. And it's not just the, oh, I'm just going to get it out and I'm fine. No, I'm saying this because I want you to pray for me, and then I'm going to be healed. God's going to deliver me. God's going to help me. That's part of relationship. We don't do that. If I was to ask you, when's the last time you went to someone and shared something that you're struggling with? Most of the time, it's not much. It's not much. But the Bible talks about doing that. And if we're doing that with believers, it goes on to say the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. It produces great results. So when you can be honest and transparent, even about struggles that you have, I'm telling you, that's the, that's the pathway of being healed of it. To have righteous, godly people around you that pray with you and encourage you. That's what, that's what the church is supposed to do. You still with me? 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. In other words, we understand when people are hurting, we hurt with them. But when, when someone is honored, everybody's glad. We're not jealous. We're not like, oh, why did they get honored? You know what? We celebrate victories in people's life. And when they're struggling, we're right there with them in the struggle. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. So let's just take a minute and let's just imagine, what if that was just so evident? in the church today, where you could come into church and you could come into a place of believers gathered and say, I'm struggling. 
And people say, we're here for you. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to walk this out. And you're going to overcome this. That we're going to be that healthy. And then when someone overcomes something or they, they do something or they, they hit one of those thresholds where they, they conquered something and God just delivered them, then we are celebrating with them. We are celebrating with them. The joy of seeing God do something in their life and God manifest his presence in a way and manifest his strength in a way that it just it makes life so pleasant for them. And we, we celebrate it. Don't you love when you do something good? Don't you love when something just works well? I mean, you've been trying. and I remember playing sports. And I remember playing, uh, played baseball when I was younger. And I remember uh, one of the games that I was at. And I remember I hit a home run. It's the first home run I ever hit over the fence. And I remember it was the game that I didn't have a lot of friends or family there. And I was excited, but I was like, no one really saw it. And then when I go home and say, I hit a home run, oh, okay, sure you did. You know, because sometimes I would say stuff and it wasn't true. Um, to try, you know, when I was a kid, I said I was a kid, right? Um, it wasn't yesterday. So, but then I remember one time when I hit a home run, and it was a big game, and I had my family was there, a lot of my friends were there, and there was something that I just took it over the top to know that people were celebrating with me. It wasn't just, look what I did, like, oh, I was so proud of myself. But to hear people, and there's part of this that we have to be careful we don't get into pride either. But, you know, when they start, like, cheering, where you go, Scott? You're like, yeah. You know, and it can go both ways because you, you get excited about hearing your name and you get excited. People are celebrating with you. And it feels good. And that's how the church should be. We should celebrate when you're walking through life and you're, you're overcoming and you're, you're following the plans of God. We should be quick to, to celebrate with people. Hey, good job, man. Good job on that. Keep, keep going. You know, don't get prideful where you have to have that. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, I need y'all to, you know, see how good I am. Because that, like I said, it can go both ways. Playing junior high basketball, I finally got into the game. I wasn't very good at that age. And so I didn't play much. And we were ahead by a lot. And whenever we're ahead by a lot, coach is like, oh, you can't hurt us now, Jenkins. Get in there. So... I go in the game, and I get fouled, and I'm at the free throw line. I've never been at the free throw line all season. And I'm like, awesome. I mean, it was like, it's right there. I mean, people, the focus is I'm the only one shooting the ball. Everybody's watching me. And, and it was funny because my dad was there and my mom was there. But I didn't care about that. I mean, I love my parents, but I didn't care about that. Dad, if you're listening, I do love you all. Okay. But I remember the cheerleaders. And they were like, go Scott, go Scott. And I'm like, awesome. Like, they've never, I didn't even know they knew my name, right? And they're yelling my name, and they're building a little pyramid thing, and they're like, got their pom-poms up, like, go. I mean, I'm just like, that's for me. So I just was like, oh, this is going to be money. So I just, you know, take my dribbles and spin the ball, you know. I never do that, but that day I did because I was like, they're calling my name. And, um. Then I go up, I missed everything. I didn't touch the rim, the net, the backboard. And it was like, Err! it was the most horrible shot. The opposing team starts chanting, air ball, air ball. They stopped yelling my name. They put their pom-poms down like, what was that? It was ruined, all because I was looking for spotlight. So we don't want to do that. 
But when you're doing something and you're obeying God and people come alongside you and encourage you, it motivates you to keep going and to not give up. And that's what we need. We need that. We need that in our life. The third thing, and yes, just so just just rest. We're not going to finish all this today. You know, he's only on point three. It's eleven sixteen. All right. <clears throat> Understand the importance of God's word. And we read this a few weeks ago, but in Acts two forty two, this is when the early church was established. Peter had preached a message, and it was right after the Holy Spirit fell. Peter preached this message. Three thousand people have gotten saved. And they, they connect with the body of Christ. I mean, most of the early church at this moment were all new believers. A good chunk of them, 3,000 of them, new believers. 120 that were in the upper room, 3,000 now new believers. I mean, it's, there's a lot of early stage believers in this. And here's what it says about them. All, say all. all. The Greek word there basically means all, Okay. All the believers devoted themselves. In other words, they were fully 100% committed to the apostles' teaching, the teaching of the word. They were committed to it. That was the value, that was one of the main values of gathering with the believers was to hear the word. That was it. To hear the word, to fellowship and have a lot of other times of prayer and communion and all that stuff. But it was to, to get in and grow, to hear the word. They were devoted to it. And listen, you, when, I promise you, when you come to church, whether it's this church or if you go to another church, you need to be at a church that preaches the word. Because the word is what changes you. The word is what grows you. The word is what encourages you. The word is what helps you. If we put the Bible away and I just gave you some nuggets of Scott Jenkins' wisdom, we'd have been done three minutes, three minutes into it. And it would not have changed your life. Because I don't, I don't have that ability. But the word of God produces. And it's powerful. And it's effective. And it's incorruptible seed. That always has fruit. Always produces fruit in the soil that, that receives it. Always. And that's why we need to understand this healthy desire for the word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this about the word, all scripture, again, what does all mean? All, everything you read in the scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us, one translation said it's God breathed. In other words, it's the breath of God. It's, it's God's word. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong. And then here's the good thing. Not only does it show us areas where there may be something wrong, but then it does this. It corrects it. It corrects it. It's not just, and that's something that we learn as parents, to not just tell your kids what not to do, help them know what to do. I say, son, what? Oh, oh excuse me. We're not going to say what. We're going to say, sir. Yes, sir. I'll never forget the first time. I won't tell you which one, um, but his name rhymes with grace. And he first got his phone. And I caught him one time, he's like, what? Oh, I was stunned. I'm like, excuse me? What? I'm like, let's try this again. This was early on. I said, hey, let me help you. Watch, watch that. 
Hello? If someone calls you, if your boss was to call you when you start working, it's hello. Like, that's how we do it. So I called him. I said, I'm going to call you back. So I hung up, and I called him back. Hello? I was like, hey, Chase, how you doing? Fine. I mean, I mean it's like, but you know what? It was, I could have just said, uh-uh, uh-uh, you don't answer like that. But that, that's, okay, so I don't do that. So, what? Like, <laughs> what do you need? How can I help you? Why are you calling? I mean, whatever. But then it was just more like, hello? I was like, that's all, just hello, because if it's someone else. That's how we, we want to have phone etiquette, right? Um, and, and, and so, but you just kind of help people. I can, um, yeah, if we just help people. Even with, with, with the staff, I told the staff, and, and, and it was hard for some of them because they're, they're just used to doing things the way they've done it. But when we send an email out, there's always three parts to our email. We greet people. Hello, hope you're having a great week. Then we talk about whatever we need. And then we close it out with, hey, hope you have a great day. Let me know if you need anything, whatever. It's not just, hey, man, call me. I, you know, I need you to do that. Send, no signature, no greeting, nothing. No, that's not, we, we want to. So you know what? I don't just tell people that's not a good email. I tell them, here's what I like to see. And, and you know what? Now they do a great job at it. But it's like when you don't, when you, when you don't know what to do, just someone telling you you're not doing it right doesn't help you. What helps you is when they say, here's how you can do it right. So for God, he comes in and says, listen, you're, you're missing it here. You're struggling. I get it. I want to help you. I want to point you in the right direction. And he, and he, and he corrects the things that we, we tend to miss. All right? Hosea 4.6 says people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And sometimes we just miss it because we just don't know. And there's people that you're, I'm telling you, there's people living in all kinds of struggle because they don't know the word. They don't know God's ha- God has totally different plans for them than what they're walking in. They have no idea that God loves them so much. They have no idea that God's plans are good. They have no idea that he paid the price for them, for their, for their life, for salvation, for healing, for hope, for everything. They have no idea. And because of it, they're missing it, and they're struggling because they don't have the knowledge of what the truth is. James 8, I mean, John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth doesn't set you free unless you know it. That's why you have to know what the word says. And that's what this time of growing together as a church is really all about. So we're going we're gonna to continue in this next week. And we're going to talk more about the, the, the privilege that we have of coming together as believers. To build community, to establish healthy relationships, to understand more of his word and what God has for us. And then we'll hit the other, the other three next week.